This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. A great way to start with this, with this whole idea of beauty. And so much of finding beauty in the storm is, is what are we willing to let go of? I mean, one of the things we're going to be coming up on a few weeks, even letting go of our interpretations, our need to interpret every moment. And it's, it's a beautiful idea that there is this inner beauty. John O'Donoghue, famous poet, monk, said, you know, God is beauty. That's how he actually defines God. Right up there with God is love. And we can see that when we look again at pictures of Jesus. And that, that's what it looks like with skin on. That's what it looks like living that life of deep, deep human slash divine beauty. That divine human coming together. And, and we're to live that humanity part of that. It's interesting looking at, at you know, images we have of, of, of the Lord, of Jesus, and, and how those change over, over times. I mean, when you, when you look back in the Renaissance, it was kind of was a, was a super, super pious view of God, super pious view of Jesus. Now, Jesus was from the Middle East, so do you think he looked like that? No, <laughs> he didn't look like that. He would have looked far different, but that was kind of the, the time and the culture. And then you had other pictures of him, more modern, kind of Aslan the lion from the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And, and that idea of kind of a, a muscular Christianity, a sort of a, a, a strong, onward Christian soldier kind of view of Jesus. And, and I think at different times in our life, different perspectives um, work. You know, I remember hearing, oh, she was so beautiful, this wonderful, wonderful uh, female rabbi talking about all the hard sayings in the Old Testament where it makes it look like God is angry and a warrior. And she used to, she said, oh, and I used to hate reading that stuff and used to hate preaching on it. And then she realized, like, her cancer patients ate that up. Those people who were struggling wanted that idea of that warrior God, and that spoke to them. And I think it's the same with these different views of God that we have over our lives. And I want to kind of take a little sideways trip out of those two polarities and, and take a little sideways trip here for a few minutes into, into kind of the historical Jesus. Like, like when Jesus was, was born and raised and, and his ministry starts, ministry starts, most people think around 30, 31, 32 A.D., a couple of thousand years ago. And, and the idea that, that we're talking Jesus who walked these streets. Literally walked these streets. One of the things, and I say it a lot, and I find it kind of funny, Jesus spent no time in the office. No time at all in the office. He was out on the streets. And the place where most of his preaching took place was this small region of modern-day Israel called Galilee. And Galilee was like the bad part of town. It was, was the badlands. There were revolts constantly going on. There was, it was a very unsettling time period. We know just historically, we know just historically that over his lifespan, there were six different revolutions against the Romans. The Romans occupied that area. Just imagine that. I mean, do the math. Jesus lived into his mid-30s, divided by sex, you know, that means roughly every five years, him and his family experienced a major social, not just tension, but a social revolution. And when those revolts happened, you had this counter-revolution from the Romans, oftentimes that was just brutal. 
I don't want to delve a lot into that, but one, one story we know from history was one revolt where the Romans end up crucifying 2,000 people in a day. That's, that's the world he grew up in. So just think about that world. A world tainted by violence, by oppression, by anger. All the worst parts of humanity right there. I mean, it kind of looks, it makes it look like the changes we're going through right now is being, is being pretty tame. And actually compared to then, they, they actually were. And yet Jesus came and he was the beauty in that storm. Jesus came and he was the beauty in that storm. And it was this total counterintuitive beauty. Now, if you ask me at a very surface level, well, how do I find beauty in the storm? My first thought is, well, just find the winner. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about here. It's leaving behind that idea of winning and losing as we might see it. It's leaving behind that idea of who's right and instead embracing the question of how do we stay in relationship. And behind that question, who's right? And picking up the mantle of that question, how do we stay in relationship? We know that he, that he talks about his, his, his kingdom, and it's not, it's not like Jesus' kingdom, like I own this kingdom. It's, it's talking about the kingdom of God, and he constantly talks about that, yes, this kingdom of God, this kingdom of God. And it's important like, to say that this movement, and I say this a lot, this movement is always downward. It's always, as in heaven, as the prayer says, so upon the earth. It's not a kingdom of heaven that we're to hold out there as some far-off dream. It's a kingdom of heaven we are to live imperfectly now. The kingdom of heaven is what we are to live imperfectly now. And that's what he prophesies to. That's what he talks to. That's what he, he speaks of. So I want to share with you a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage from Matthew. And and just a little background on this. You know, for those of you who are interested, 8.30 every morning, we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew just 10 minutes, and literally I take a sentence or two, talk about it, we pray together. It's just a beautiful thing. It's on Facebook Live. And it's been fun going through this and picking up these little passages that that are so powerful, and we can just miss them. You know, in other words, we're like zooming past so we don't see the sunset. Well, this is one of those little beautiful, beautiful sunset passages. And, and I asked my friend Sasha to read it. So I want you to hear Sasha reading it on video. Beautiful passage. Then when she's done, I'm going to talk about some of the beautiful lines in it. Take a look. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations put their hope. Now, the lines in there are so beautiful. And again, we can, we can uh, blast right over them. But Sasha did such a beautiful reading there. And, and a couple of the lines I want to talk about, because I think they're so powerful, are these two lines. He will not quarrel or quiet, 
cry out. No one will hear his voice in the street. In other words, he's not a yeller. <laughs> like, that's simple. He's not an arguer. He's not a yeller. Think of the times that he's preaching in. Just hold for a minute how counterintuitive his approach is. And then you ready for this? It gets even better. <laughs> this next line, I think it's just ridiculously beautiful piece of scripture. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Like that, that line, folks, that idea of the, the, that a plant, if there's something bruised, he's not there to take that bruised part of us and break it. He's not there to take that part of us that just is smoldering. It's just barely able to keep a flame aflame. He's not there to snuff that out. That line, if we just leave it up there for a second, that, that line reminds me of this beautiful story. Many of you know, you know, I, I love history. I used to be a history teacher. And one of my history students is here sitting in the front row. That's why I said that with a smile. So, you know, and I remember reading this story, and it was about these, these Jewish, Jewish uh, uh, prisoners during the Holocaust. And they used to get served their food. And this was, this was, it was sacrilegious, but then they made it into this beautiful thing where, where an old Torah, in other words, an old piece of the Old Testament had been all torn up, and that's sort of what they got their food served on, were these pieces of paper that were part of the Torah. And it's this beautiful story told by this, this Jewish prisoner during the Holocaust. And he said, you know, we would just save those little scraps. And we would just read them again and again. I can so picture a line like this, which actually comes from the Old Testament. Jesus is reciting it in the New Testament, but comes from the Old Testament. How powerful that would be in a situation like that. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Folks, it's so powerful. It's almost impossible as a pastor to communicate the power of those words. It's not only Jesus saying this. It's him using this as a call and a prophecy to you, to me, to us. It's an address not about being the winner, but it's an address to kind of this particular part of our lives, a part that looks like this. A part that looks sad and distraught. Yet understanding that, that, that that's where God is and that, that the storms we find ourselves in can push us to recognize beauty in brand new ways. Stephen, who runs our tech, him and I were talking about it today. I mean, it's, it's just, it's endlessly fascinating to me how storms get us so clear on what truly matters, what outlasts us. Here's a quote by Bob Goff I found particularly beautiful. This is a recent tweet from Bob Goff. Sometimes God will use the chaos around us to give us clarity within us about what will absolutely outlast us. I want to read that one more time because it's so beautiful. Sometimes God will use the chaos around us to give us clarity within us about what will absolutely outlast us. That idea of what outlasts us. Yeah. 
when we started out that first song, you don't need to try. Like it, it, it just that, that idea that there is this part, there is this, this sacred flame, there is this inmost within us that, that understands these pieces deeply. And of course, we get lost in our fears and anxieties. That's part of the journey too. And I think again, keep coming back to how radical this message is. Think about his times. Think about this message. Think about all the adjectives that would be used to describe these times. Think about his message. Think about our times. Think about his message. I want to share with you now part of the, the Beatitudes. And, and, and the Beatitudes are, are so incredibly beautiful. I was, you know, in talking with our kids live folks, you know, she was mentioning, yeah, Beatitudes. It's like be attitude. What's to be? What's the attitude you want to have? And I want you to hear these and just hear these from, from a set of different parishioners. Again, the, the, the sound volume is going to be up and down because we recorded it. They recorded it at home. And just listen to these. And then I'm going to close with the, with the last couple. And just, just kind of hear this as, as this is what really outlasts us. The stuff you're going to hear was true 2,000 years ago. And people like you sitting there would have had this same reaction to it just in the beauty of it. Beauty, beatitude, same root. So take a look as some parishioners read to you some of the beatitudes. Take a listen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure heart, for they will see God. Beautiful. And then the last two lines of those Beatitudes, so, so, so powerful. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those, those Beatitudes, that idea of, of, of where do we start? Are we going to start with kind of this, this endeavor to win? Are we going to start with this, with kind of this frenetic endeavor? Or are we going to start with, with all the different, um, Crazy irony. I mean, it's just so much of Jesus is just this surprising irony from lines like, blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are merciful for they will show mercy, will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. This complete counterintuitive peace speaks to beauty in the storm. And it speaks to a beauty that we are all warmly invited. And I'm going to tell you some stories here at the end of church about that. Some stories where we're all invited to that. We're invited to this beauty. And again, it's, it's so counterintuitive that, it, that it's actually, I find it really hard to actually live into it. I can't really believe that God exists in that. 
I can believe God exists in kind of a muscular Christianity form, but the Beatitudes, wow, those very quietly call us to a revolutionary way of viewing the world. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Now, how is it that we, we let that beauty in? How is it that we do that? Well, there's a, there's a two-part process that's worthwhile for us to think about as we look about this beauty in the storm. First is a stage of being emptied out partnership. Now, the emptied out, some of you may know this, the fancy phrase for that in theological speak is the word ex inanition. And that emptied out is that, that first stage moving towards connection and union. Notice it's, 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 you know, as it's, it's defined in new church theology, it's, it's not a first stage of connection or union. It's a first stage moving towards connection or union. I was chatting with someone in the, in the congregation who was, who was just facing a lot of challenges. And she said, like, Chuck, I just feel like I'm being totally emptied out. And there's part of me that just sits with how hard that is. How painful that is. And the crazy part is there's another piece that celebrates it. Because it means she's on the path. There is this phase of emptying out. It happens with us. It happens in our relationships. It happens with our communities. It happens all over the place. It doesn't mean anything's wrong. It just means you're in a state of emptying out. What that means is that the storm, ready for this, is actually a step. The storm is actually a step. And then what we have at the second part is this partnership. This, this, this partnership where we, where we really have learned to just, to just let go. I don't want to sort of ruin a future sermon, but it's something I'm thinking a lot about. And again, we're going to pick it up as a sermon in, in about four weeks. Like when, when we go through that emptying out and we, we let go of stuff, what's able to be present? Well, here's one, and again, just, just I mentioned it briefly before, but I'll mention it again, and again, we're going to have a full sermon coming up on this. I constantly, and I imagine at least some of you struggle with the same thing, an event happens, and then I do a lot of work to interpret the event. Does anyone else do that? <laughs> You know, like I look at the event, I turn it over my head. Was that good? Was that bad? What did they mean? They didn't text me soon enough. No, they texted me too soon. That emoji's kind of weird. Like, you know, where, where, you know, where I just in- over-interpret an event. And maybe this partnership with God can happen when I even get up, give up my compulsive need to interpret events. And just live with the word blessed are. However that's filled in. Blessed are. In a storm, I think we search for the answers. 
And there are times to search for the answers. And maybe there are times as well to just allow the emptying out process to happen. Noticing that God's whole goal is this deep partnership. And that deep partnership, folks, that idea from Matthew, again, beautiful line. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. You know, where we can in our own lives get clear, like I'm not going to break what is already bruised and hurting. I'm not going to extinguish the little light others might be holding on to. That sounds much simpler than it is. Just imagine you're with a loved one who's struggling. Some of the time, there is time for, for, to, for a, a call-out. Not a call-out like in a cruel way, but a call-out like, yeah, it's time for you to get up and get moving. There is a time for that. And there's a time where that's, where that's not the answer. There's a time where we join people where they are. A bruised reed, a smoldering wick, and we just join them there. And the best we can do maybe is no harm. The best we can do there is maybe no harm. What happens then, folks, is, is I think we can start to see the storm very different. These are, these are words from Carl Jung, sent to me from an online viewer out in Arizona. And they're beautiful lines. What on, she's talking about seeing a storm and how we get a different perspective on the storm. What on a lower level had led to the wildest conflicts and to panicky outbursts of emotion now looks like this. It looks like a storm in the valley from the mountaintop. This does not mean that the storm is robbed of its reality. That's important. But instead of being in it, one is above it. Instead of being in it, one is above it. So I want to talk some about, about what all this means, folks, and sort of, sort of pulling it together. So I'm going I'm to hop over here to pull this together. A line we're going to put up there that's really significant. Power worth with versus power over. Now, if we could, uh, let's, let's trick the online audience and make it sound like there's 20,000 people here. Could we all say together, power with? Yes, there you heard our massive audience here. Thank you, folks. Power with versus power over. This is, this is a tricky one, right? Because I, I think for most of us, what we really want is we want power over. Power over others, power over lives, power over this, power over that, power over, power over, power over, power over. That was kind of the, the, the world that, that, that Jesus, I think, was living in, where, where that was the question, like, how do we have power over? And the Romans were asking the question, how do we have power over these occupied people? And the occupied people were saying, how do we have power back over the Romans? Like, this power over, power over, power over. So Jesus, when he arrives on the scene, for a lot of people, that's just the question, like, how are you going to help us overpower the Romans? How are you going to help us sort of have this natural kingdom? But Jesus said these words. My kingdom is not of this world. 
My kingdom is not of this world. It's not a kingdom of power over. It's a kingdom of power with. And no matter whether you are sitting in a place where you and your life have a lot of power or where you don't have any, this power is always accessible. Because God is always with you. And do we have the eyes to see it? Isaiah, eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to feel, turning and being healed. Like, can we allow that to happen? Now, in some ways, with the beauty and the storm, we, we can find ways, I think, to just, just uh, see it in ways that are, are sort of humorous. So I want to talk about a humorous way, and then I want to talk about what can kind of throw us off sometimes. You know, a humorous way, I still don't know who sent me this, but I, I, have, to, I have to show it to the audience. I got this anonymous gift today, or uh, excuse me, last week. So it's great. It's New Church Live here. Excellent. Pastor Chuck. Pastor spelled correctly. Excellent. So I'm looking at this and thinking, oh, man, somebody really loves me. And then I read the bottom. And the bottom says, Eagles rule, Steelers drool. Now, I'm from Pittsburgh. So that was that was it. You know, and I got it narrowed down to who you are. Just so you know, I know it's an Eagles fan. You know, I, I love that kind of thing. You know, like life, is life really hard right now? Yes. And that, that thing is funny. That's good. That's, 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 you know, Jesus had a great sense of humor. He'd be thinking that was really a stitch. He's a Steelers fan, by the way, but that's for another sermon. It, it, it's like, that's that power with, like we join each other and sometimes we join each other with humor with fun, with joy. Like, there's nothing wrong with joy. Preach a little bit ago. The joy will free us. And if there's these pieces that will free us, it means there must as well be other things that can ensnare us, that can challenge us, that can make us really struggle with different parts. Some of those different parts, folks, like the first time when we started this series, we looked at, at when I'm hopelessness, what do I do? Well, when I'm really hopeless, I, I find myself in tears, afraid, blaming, depleted, laying in bed, cover over my eyes, crying. I lose sight of God. I feel it will never end. Well, here's something I, I would ask for your consideration. A fascinating TED Talk that I put up on my Facebook page is one that talks about social media algorithms. Now, that's a big word. Probably not everybody knows what it means. Here it is really simply. Social media, the world, looks at what you click, and then it shows you more and more of that stuff. So the more you click, the more you show. The more you show this, the more you don't show that. So this one author put it this way, which I really like. What these algorithms create is a rabbit hole of social media outrage. That's a good line. A rabbit hole of social media outrage. Where, where what we do is, is we come in and then we become more and more outraged, more and more outraged, more and more outraged. Now that is not saying 
We're called to not make stands. That's not what it's saying. It is saying that when we go down a deep rabbit hole of outrage anywhere in our lives, not just on social media, that that's a real challenge. So what that means is that you have algorithms that will keep you here. If you are big on blaming, the more you click on blaming things, the more blame stuff shows up. Like, that's just the way it works. It's the same thing that works in our brain. We have to break out of that. Friends, brothers, sisters, think of it this way. Actually, keep the light here, guys. I'm going to grab something. My best sermons happen at like 1025 in the morning on Sunday or during the service itself. So I want you guys to think of that word outrage. Right? Hold that word outrage. Think of a time you've been deeply outraged this week. Not where you felt a call or made a stand. Those, are, those, are, those I think, are different things than being outraged. But hold that word outraged against this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will become sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That, that piece of like that, that, that blessed and the, and the power with that, that, that can happen is, is just an incredibly powerful thing to, to, to try to stay in that place and try to give up as best we can this endeavor for power over. From a new church angle, power over is fine, but we, we just need to make sure that it's for a purpose. You want power over something just to have power? Wrong answer. Do you want power over something so you can bring the kingdom of God as God gives you to see it closer to earth? Is the right answer. And power with is how that all works. Power with is how that all works. Chuck's little neurotic worry. That's where I think the idea of being zoomed out is not just like, yeah, I'm tired of being online, but being zoomed out, you know, it's where we can just be zoomed and we're just out. <laughs> We just are no longer looking for that with peace anymore. We stop looking for that with peace. And I put out there for your consideration, that with peace is the peace. And I mean that in both senses of the word. That with peace is the peace, both senses of the word. Now, do we get to see that on occasion? We absolutely do. Because, yeah, we have this algorithm thing, but we also have faith. 
Faith that will lead us to call, to pray, to new ways of seeing faith, to new eyes, to talking to each other. This was from our first week again. That idea of faith, new church, faith is the eye of love. It's not intellectual assurity. I think that's real important to keep coming back at. Faith is the eye of love. It's not some intellectual certainty. And when we can practice that power with, we start to see faith in a brand new way. It's like looking up into the night sky. And you see true north. Because you realize that's the star that doesn't move. That's a star you can navigate by. That's the star that makes life move. There just are a few things as fun as a pastor is when you see somebody get that North Star. I enjoy so much working with couples. All kinds of different situations, some easy, some hard. And, and working with couples who are about to get married is, is just like, like to me, that's just fun. Some people love golf. I love doing weddings. You know, that's just what I really enjoy doing. They're always so much fun. And this one couple, we had our final meeting this week. And I, I share this story anonymously, but, but with their permission. And the last one I, I want to talk about sort of that, that marriage isn't about two physical bodies coming together. It's, it's, it's about anamkara, what we in the new church call conjugal love. Um, anamkara means soul friendship. In other words, it's just not on the outside. It's two souls connecting. And so I want to give them a chance to kind of hear each other's souls and at that, at that deep level. And souls are tricky. They're tricky things to hear because this Parker Palmer put it this way. He said, souls are like deer in the woods. If you want to be close, you better be pretty quiet. So I wanted them to get a chance to hear each other's souls. So I asked two questions. Where does your soul come alive? And what breaks your heart? Those two questions will get you right to somebody's soul pretty quickly. So, where does your heart come alive, young man? Oh, I love to watch when people connect. Those little videos, you know, I just love to watch when people connect. And then, then she chimed in about how much she loved watching military families reunite. I mean, how many of those videos could you see a week, right? They're just so powerful. And then I asked, well, what breaks your heart? And he said, as people often do, seeing animals abused. That just, that just breaks my heart when I see animals, puppies, anything abused. First off, kudos, because that's a, that's a, it's a good comment to, to, to say. And again, like, to say that in front of your beloved, where you're not trying to posture yourself in such a way that, well, actually, Chuck, you know, it breaks my heart. You know, like, like, just the sincerity of that is beautiful. So, and then his, his beautiful bride-to-be says this. She says, why don't we, why don't we think? Maybe after we get married, 
we could get a therapy dog. We could take it around. Ronald McDonald House, all these other places. That's it. That's power with. That, my friends, is the kingdom of God. Right there. We talked about the simple fact of like, you know, they could be having the worst argument of all time. And if they take the discipline to do this, on that Saturday where they're having the worst argument of all time, and they take that therapy dog down to Ronald McDonald House, show the dog around the kids who are sick, the families who need uplifted, they will have created a day they will never forget. Worst argument of our life, created a day we will never forget. Worst argument of our life, outrage. A day we'll never forget, the Beatitudes, sung into life. Beatitudes sung into life. We can choose that. We can choose that beauty in the storm. All of you can go home today, I can, and we can really look to practice, not centering our lives on how do I have power over, but how do I have power with and let that first line be power with God. Before I close with prayer, I want you just to hear Clay McQueen read this beautiful Psalm 107 that hopefully will pull all this together in this beautiful song of the Psalms. Psalm 107. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he brought them home. Amen. That last line. The beauty of that. The beauty of saying, they were glad when he calmed the storm and called them home. Calm the storm. Called them home. Folks, I'm wishing you a week of finding the beauty in the storm as best you can. And living into that power with as best you can. And leaning towards the kingdom of God as best you can. We're now going to close with a prayer, then we're going to hear the Lord's Prayer, a blessing, and a moment of quiet reflection. Then we'll have our last song. We're actually having two songs. You want to stick around for both here at the end. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the grace and mercy throughout this congregation, joining us in person and online. And Lord, whether they are joining us today, tomorrow, Wednesday, whenever, allow them to feel that deep joy we have of joining with, with them and their blessings, 
with them in their breakings the power of with. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And a final couple of invites, folks. Just remember, you're warmly invited to our open houses next week. And you're warmly invited as well just to join us for coffee and donuts, a virtual coffee and donuts that happens right after this online. So just take a moment, a little meditation, then enjoy the last couple of songs. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 